Well, this is, this is Father's Day, and we're, we're going to look at some uh, principles about dads today. And uh, we've all got our memories, don't we? It does seem like the older we get, the more we look back at the old days, remember. And each, each has, uh, you know, with a mom and dad, those who have been, you know, this day and age honored to have been brought up by their own biological parents uh, we have memories, and mom had a certain thing. We talked about that in May, and now we're, we're dealing with the dads. And those memories of dad are, are unique. And uh, my dad was unique. Every dad is something else. We look back and see uh, some were gruff, you know. There was, an, there was an era, like my dad, when he was, you know, we were little kids. We never heard dad say, I love you. Never heard my dad say, I love you. They just didn't do it back then. You know, I love you. You know I love you. You eat here, don't you? <laughs> what else more do I need to do? You know, I love you, of course. I mean, they don't have to tell you. They, they proved it by what they did. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. My dad was neat. There was a, my buddy, he was named, his name was Tom Dolpert. And uh, he was my buddy when I was a little kid. And uh, they were loaded, seriously. They, were, they had money, and I went, first time I went to the beach, you know, as a little kid, I went with the Dolberts. And, and Tommy called me up one day, he goes, the Harlem Globetrotters are going to be at Hershey Park. Do you want to go see them with us? And I said, I'd love to, but I can't. And he said, why not? Well, I did something really, really bad. And what happened was, we weren't allowed to obviously play ball in the house. <laughs> and I was playing, I think, Nerf basketball, 70 or, yeah, 70, probably maybe 11 years old. And sure enough, I knocked over a crystal of my mom's and it shattered into pieces the day before. And I said to him, Tommy, I busted it. There was flat out no way that I will be allowed to go to see them. So I never asked my parents. Well, found out that Tom's mom and dad called my mom and dad said, why didn't Carl go along? And they said, Carl never asked. And they came to me and said, why did you not ask to go see the Globetrotters? And I said, because you would have said no, because I broke that. And they said, we would have let you go. Man. And that was way back, you know, with the, the good old guys, you know. I don't know what they're like now, but, you know, that was back when the, you know, they, it was a big thing. You know, we have not because we, we don't ask. There is something about asking. And within this text, that's what we're dealing with, asking. And we're seeing within this asking, and, and Christ relates it to a human parent, father, because he uses son, and then later on, he talks about the heavenly father. So we see right away that it is the son going to the father to ask. And if you go to the father and you ask for bread, is he going to give you a stone? If you go and, and ask for, you know, some, some fish, is he going to give you something else instead? And the answer is no. He's not going to give you a serpent if you ask for food for fish matter of fact it's interesting in the book of Luke in the 11th chapter he adds if you would ask for egg would he give you a scorpion to sting you instead and of course the answer is 
No. It's interesting that in this text, the fish and bread is exactly what Jesus fed the multitudes with. It's like if you had bread and you had the meat, you had yourself a meal. It's what you needed. And it's interesting how in this text he's bringing up, if you will, the needs that the son has for the father to provide. The reason the son needs to ask is because he doesn't have it, can't get it, he is in need, and therefore asks. And so sure enough, he relates that as an earthly father would of course give bread. Of course he would give his son fish. He would give him exactly what he needs. Jesus then says, and now think about your dads, how imperfect they are. Compare that to a perfect heavenly father. How much more is our heavenly father desiring to give you and I the things that we have need of? Our Father in the Scriptures, our Heavenly Father, has proved over and over His love. Has He not? You look at the old through the new, uh, through, through, through and He has expressed over and over again His love by His actions. His very creation of you and I is an expression of a desire to have fellowship with you and I. It goes through to what He has created around us for us to, to govern. He has given us all these things to enjoy and to love. And God has given us these things because He loves. And, and of course, the, the greatest expression of God's love is that He commended His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is how God the Father proved His love extensively by sending His own Son, His own Son as a Father, His own Son to die for you and I. And you could put your name right there. Jesus died for me. You say he died for everybody. Yeah, but you got to make this thing personal. See, when I was a little kid and, and brought up in a little church, and I heard about Jesus, and, and I don't remember too much. I was a little kid. I don't remember too much about what was being taught. I don't remember anything about Jesus, to be truthful. Um, I, I remember Santa Claus came to church one time. I, I remember that. That was kind of weird. You know, I remember different things about church, but not a whole lot. And, and then when I heard this pastor talking to me about how Jesus personally died for me, knows me, I'm like, now that I didn't know. And I'm here to tell you, as a pastor told me, Jesus loves you. The Father loves you so much that he was willing to give his own son. I have two sons whom I love. And I would not want either of them to go through brutal beating and to ultimately be nailed to a cross and die innocently so that the sinners, the guys in jail, would go free. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you and he, was done, he has done for me. And I was 19 years old when I came to that realization and invited Christ into my heart. And if you do not have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, you can. And it is very simple. It is by faith. And even though we can't see our Heavenly Father, even though I have not physically seen Jesus Christ, He is. And because He is, He is there ready and willing to save you 
That is to forgive you and deliver you from the penalty of sin if you will believe. You say, what do I have to believe? You have to believe Jesus died for your sin. You have to believe he rose again from the dead three days later. And you say, Lord, I can't do it myself. I ask you, call on you to take away my sin. And I believe that Jesus died for my sin. He rose again from the dead. And he will save you right now where you are at, right now as you are seated. You don't have to wait for an invitation. You don't have to wait till you go to another place. You don't have to be in a mountain or on a, on a lake fishing. You can go right now to the Lord and say, Lord, that's me. I don't have Jesus. I, I never believed Jesus died. And if you would do that, he will give you a personal relationship. He becomes your father. And that, that father-son relationship happens because you are now, as God says in John 3, born again. You are born into God's family, and he has become your heavenly father. And Jesus Christ, you are now joint heirs. You are part of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that tonight. This relationship. This father, you know, we don't get to choose our, our fathers here on this earth, but we get to choose our heavenly father. And I trust you will. And I'm so glad. I, I have not met a Christian that was bummed that they became a Christian. I have yet to find a Christian that's, man, I wish I never would have been born again. You know, it's a new relationship. And it's awesome. Because now as we're seeing in the text, you get to go to your heavenly Father and say, Lord, we have issues. We have problems here. And as, and as much as, as we understand that love of God, the Father for us, He wants us to ask. Come on, Dad. Isn't doesn't it do something to you when your kids come to you and say, Dad, I have a need. Well, let me fix it for you. <laughs> you know, there's just something about a dad that wants to meet needs. Unless, of course, they're a deadbeat dad. You know, we have our share of those too. You know, this, that's why I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we're, we're blessed to have known our biological parents because we know a lot of kids that they don't know who their dad is, never met them. Some never even knew mom. And, uh, but you'll get to know your Heavenly Father personally if you accept Him. And uh, we have been very blessed to have had wonderful parents are all in heaven now. And I get to see them again someday. I love my dad. My dad was saved about three years before he passed away. He had cancer, and uh, uh, right before he found out he had the cancer, uh, he got to church, and uh, he was going to a Southern Baptist church in Alabama, and he called me up on a Sunday afternoon. I was pastoring in Loganton at that time in Pennsylvania, and he called me up, and he said, he said Carl, I just want you to know I went forward this morning in church, and, and I prayed, invited the Lord in. Now, you have to understand, my dad was a, he was a tough old bird. Farmer, tough dad. My grandpa, man, he was, he was tough. And uh, for my dad to soften up to that point. And I say that because I have talked to many of you who have parents that are not Christians. Don't give up. You keep on praying for them. You do not give up. Honestly, I talked to my dad, my sister, my brother. We all, I mean, he was under my illustrious preaching <laughs> and did not get saved. You know what I mean? I mean, it was prayer, and we gave him the gospel. All we could do was start living it in front of him. 
and, and God used another preacher. And I thank the Lord for Bill and uh, just a great, great preacher. I heard him several times preach. And uh, don't you give up. Uh, it's a very emotional thing when somebody in the family is not in the family and then they get in and they trust the Lord. My dad and I, we had a different relationship after that. My dad actually said, I love you after that. My dad, when we would call, he would call and we'd talk on the phone, he'd talk about what he's learning in Sunday school class. It's a relationship because now he had a heavenly father. And that's what I'm talking about. It changes everything. For us, you and I as Christian dads, we need to engage in our children's lives. Right here, what, what he's trying to say to you and I is this. There's two things that the father does in this text. Number one, he listens. And number two, he provides. First of all, the asking from the son, it goes to the ears of the father. And the father is not like, I don't want to hear this. Deal with it yourself. Get a job, you know, provide yourself. That, that's not what he is saying. He is listening to his children. And aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father listens to our prayers, sometimes as silly as they are? Sometimes as selfish as they can be. How many of you have prayed that the Lord would reveal to you your lost keys? Come on, how many of you? Honestly, look at the hands all over the place. Multiple times. Lord, I lost my keys. I got to get to work. And you say, why would you bother God with keys? Because he cares. How many of you found your keys after prayer? Look at that. <laughs> you say, that's silly. Not to God. It's the everyday stuff is where God proves himself faithful to us. We need our Father because we can't do it. And it expresses to our Heavenly Father faith. And that's what pleases God. And we begin to pray and we talk to our God and say, Lord, there's, there's a need. And by the way, I know much of our prayer is based on, Lord, I need. And, and, and our Heavenly Father doesn't become weary of our requests. He wants to hear them. Yesterday, uh, my boys, Caleb and Stephen, we, they said, Dad, we're, we're going to take you out golfing. You will never meet a man who has golfed so much and improved so little. <laughs> that would be me. But we went out and we played best ball. You know, whoever hits the best, you know, says, Caleb, man, he was on yesterday. He was Tiger yesterday, man. He was smacking them. And Stephen, he had some great shots. You know, we all had some, had some fun. And, uh, of course, usually, you know, it's Dad that, you know, let me take care of this. And yesterday, he's like, nope, put your wallet away, Dad. We're taking care of everything. You know, took care of breakfast and took care of the game, you know, and everything like that, you know. And, and it's something because it's, it's normally, the, the nature is that dads take care of kids. Even in that text where he says, if any man provides not for his own, he's worse than an infidel. He said, it is not for children to lay up for the parents, but the parents to lay up for the children in that same text. And that's the nature. But boy, it was neat to see that love reciprocated. But it is our nature to give as, as dads. And when our kids come up and say, there's a need here, we will do whatever it takes as a dad to minister to that need, to provide. Uh, 
Many of you as dads know, when you, especially when you had the little kids, and if somebody went without shoes, it was you. Because the, the kids came first. You had to make sure they had the, the food, yeah, and, and the clothing, and, and, and the shoes. And if you needed to slip something inside your shoes to keep the water from coming in, you'd do it. And that's our nature. And if we, as, as he says, if we would do that as fathers here on this earth who are evil, <laughs> he says, we are evil, how much more our Father, the one who is perfect, is willing and also able, because he owns it all, to provide those things. But what we as children have to do is one thing, ask. How's your prayer life? Seriously. What have you talked to your Heavenly Father about recently? Even this morning in your devotions, as you're reading the Scripture and you begin to pray. How's your, how's your conversation with the Heavenly Father? We got a little seat and got this little pond. And so I go out there this morning and, and just, just enjoying the, the beautiful morning and uh, just talking to the Father. And it's a one-on-one -on -one time. And it's a very precious thing, a very personal thing that we have the privilege of doing. We have four children. We have two daughters and we have two sons. And uh, I love when we have one-on-one -on -one time. That I get to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes it's by phone. But I love that one-on-one. -on -one. And our Father in Heaven wants that one-on-one -on -one communication. I mean, it's amazing that our Heavenly Father, right now, even when we pray, you know, millions of people around the world, in all these countries, in different languages, different backgrounds, are all praying to the Heavenly Father, the one true living God, all at one time. And He, because of His all-knowing, is able to understand and interpret the hearts of every prayer that is going up. That fascinates me about my God. And yet, He is able to look down and with detail know exactly what I personally... It's almost like, okay, Carl, I'm listening to you right now. And yet He's able to say, okay, John, over here, I'm listening to you now. And over here, Susie, I'm listening to you right now. And He's able to make that personal with every child of God. And all that He wants to do is listen to our hearts. When a child bears their heart, it's a very sweet thing. You know when the kids sit down and say, Dad, we've got to talk. Your ears are wide open and ready to hear and listen. This listening is what our God does. And dads, please do not become so busy that you stop listening to your children and wives and anybody else that you're around, but we're dealing with dads today. Do you, you know, uh, when uh, Caleb got out of the army, it was kind of a fun tradition we, we, we started years ago, and he got out of the army, and uh, one day he's like, hey, dad, let's go get some coffee. I was like, cool. So we started, we Callahan's or wherever we went, sat down, and it became a tradition that Stephen, you know, sometimes the boys are there, and we sit down, and it's our time to sit and, and talk. If you, folks, if you don't make a time to do it, 
It's not going to happen. When do you have time with your heavenly Father? Seriously, when do you say, this is when I talk to my Father? I don't want to pick his brain. I want to get some ideas. I need some guidance. He is ready and willing to listen and to provide. There's a story that's found in the book of Luke that also reveals our Heavenly Father. It's a story we're really familiar with. It's a story of the prodigal son. And in that story, we have a son, in his mind, he just wants out. We don't have any detail, humanly speaking, of this prodigal, of all the environment that he was in. But he was there, and he was losing. He needed out of there. He said, Dad, give to me my inheritance. I need to get out of here. It's interesting that the father does that. There's the asking, and then there's the giving. So, do you think that the father in that story knew what his son was up to? I mean, let's say he's 22 years old. I'm just throwing a number out there. Single guy, and has more money in his pocket than he's ever had in his life. He's got a huge inheritance. What's he going to do with it? Hmm, let me think what he might do with that money. And so, sure enough, he goes. And he wastes it. By the way, we understand this last year a little bit about inheritance being wasted. It's not fun. And all of a sudden, your 401k was 300, but now it's 150 at best. It just ripped in half, and it's just like, where did all the money go? The answer is, we don't know. Where did your money go? I don't know. It's wasted. It's out there in space. Well, somebody else's pocket. <laughs> the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. You know how it goes. And it's like, that's no fun. Well, this dad gives this money knowing that this kid is going to go out and waste it on prostitutes and drinking and buying everybody's drinks and he's going to have all these buddies for a short amount of time until the money's gone and then when the money's gone everybody that was quote unquote his buddy they're gone now when you have hardships you'll find out who your true friends are but when you're buying you have all kinds of friends they're all over you man oh you're the greatest yeah find out who your friends are and he did because when it's all gone he can't even get a decent job he's looking at the slop of pigs and saying man that looks really delicious He's like, wait a minute, Dad, Dad. It says he came to his senses. It's all like, Dad, man, look how Dad treated his servants. His servants were treated better than I am here right now. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to him. I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I want to come back as a hired servant. I'll do whatever you want. When he comes back, the reaction of the father is one of the most powerful statements given. As the father sees his wayward son coming home, he drops whatever he has. He sees him afar off and runs down the road to his own son. He embraces him. He kisses him. And the, and the son does say, Father, I am no longer worthy of being your son. He isn't listening. I'm not worthy to be. I just want to come back as a hired servant. Please just give me a job. 
And he turns around and starts screaming after he kisses his son and says, get the fatted calf, get the robe, get the rings, get this guy decked out. My son who was lost has come back. You can't undo a father-son relationship. You are a son, you are a son. No matter how far you have gone, the father is listening, ready to take you back no matter where you've been. We get calls from parents whose children have gone so far. And we've prayed with them and we've cried with them. And it's just like, Pastor, when is common sense going to get back in? When is this style of living going to be over? And you hate to say it, it's not until they come to their senses. And it is not until God intervenes in their lives and then they return. We can harden our hearts and say, you stupid idiot, go live your life. But I'll guarantee you, when that son comes back and says, I'm sorry, I've sinned and I've done wrong. That we as a father, with open arms, are willing to provide again. It's exactly what the prodigal's father did. Immediately went back to providing for his son. Meat that he hasn't tasted in a long time is being prepared because the fatted calf was ready. He was waiting for his son to go back. How much more our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to come back to him. He's ready to listen to us. My friend, I don't know where your heart is. You could be in church and yet still not be here. You know what I mean? You can be going through emotions and you know your heart is just like that prodigal. That you're off into sin and doing things that you ought not to be doing. There's no fellowship. There's nothing between you and God. You are drifting. It's time to come back to the Father. He will listen and He will provide. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. It's interesting in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. He says, blessed be the God in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that you and I will be able to comfort others with the same comfort that we got. That principle of He is the Father of mercies. You understand what mercy is? You know, we understand grace. We, we've talked about that at length around here. Grace is God giving you something that you don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is God pitying you and not giving you what you need. Deserve. Punishment. Correction. God is the Father of mercies, and it's plural, by the way. Not just a mercy but over and over and over again, full of mercies that He wants to extend to you and I when we're not in fellowship with Him. Many of us know that our God is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. You following me? I love the proverb where He says, a righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. And a righteous man is going to go right back to where he knows he needs to be in a relationship with his heavenly father. You know when a child of God is the most miserable? When he's playing the prodigal, off doing his own thing, 
Do you, can you sense in that story of Luke 15, the joy of the Son, the joy of the Father is a result of a restoring back? And our God is wanting that restoration. All that He is doing is waiting and listening. Waiting for the Son to come back. We've got an awesome God, folks. Now, you and I, though, as dads here today, need to learn from our Heavenly Father to be the same. We are to have our God as an example. That this example that He has given to us, we should also be to others. Listen to a couple verses. I'm reading out of 1 Kings. I just want you to, to listen today. Listen to 1 Kings 9.4. If thou walk before me as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart, in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, I will keep my statutes and my judgment, Solomon. If you do it like David, then you're going to get the blessings. Fathers are examples, are they not? And it's interesting that the golden rule, as we call it, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. If you didn't realize, we just read it in Matthew chapter number 7. You see, it was there. Look at, look at verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the Old Testament, summarized. So, you don't treat people mean because would you want other people to treat you mean? No, I want people to respect me, to listen to me, and everything, right? Well, then that's what you got to do to other people, or they're not going to listen and respect you back. Okay, you're mean, you're going to have people mean back to you. Say, well, they're not allowed to be mean. Well, neither are you. So we treat people with respect. Why? Because it's going to be coming back to you. And this is the example. If you would want somebody to do something for you, then you, by example, do it to others. Treat others, and in the text, we're dealing with father treating a son and providing. And so here, fathers, if we are an example in providing and doing these things, then God, in respect, will be doing the same thing for us. Others will see it in us and will be giving it right back to us also. A friend that has friends is going to have to show himself friendly. That's how it works. And so all of a sudden we see this principle, dads, we want to be an example to our children as David was to Solomon, and we could have a list of others that were good as well as bad examples to their, to their children. And what we are to be summoned in our mind right now is to say this, I need to be an example to my kids. Let me rephrase that. I am an example to my kids. The question is, is it good or bad? David had integrity of his heart. And Solomon was told, follow that. The example that we are is to be a godly example. We are to be men of integrity. We need to be men, by the way, that, years ago, that was the most sought out word on the internet, if you didn't know that. 
the word integrity around the world. Everybody wants, what's integrity, you know? And we've heard all kinds of definitions. I, I guess the most recent is integrity is, is doing what is right when nobody is around, you know? It's like it's inside there. Even if you get away with something bad, you don't do it. That's integrity, you know? Doing the right thing. And there's a lot of different definitions, but he had an integrity that found, was found inside of the heart, and sure enough, he did it. And, and by the way, Solomon didn't. He blew it. And he lost it. Blew the whole kingdom. One of the saddest stories. You say, I thought he was so smart. He was. But he used it wrong. Being smart doesn't make you right. Being smart doesn't always put you in the right direction. What does is the integrity of the heart. These things that we learn of parenting, let me, I'm not going to be able to get all through all of them, so I'm just going to talk to you about them. We list, listen, if we, as a father, we listen, we provide, we forgive. We need to be an example. We need to guide them. The Psalm 32 and verse 8 in particular talks about that matter of God our Father being the one who is, has his eye on us to guide and to lead us in proper directions. Don't have time to get into that. Read Psalm 32. In that text, it's really powerful because what he does in the beginning, he says, listen, if you confess, then what God is going to do is begin to uh, give to you those things that are needed and it's going to be restoring. And then the result of that is he is going to guide you in all truths. Really powerful psalm. Again, that is Psalm chapter number 32. That's that verse where David says, Blessed is man whom the Lord will not impute sin, will impute righteousness. That's that same particular one. A proper father, a good father is going to discipline. And that means not just whoop. <laughs> Give them whoopings. That, that means actually create disciplines in their lives. Hey, and, and we have already talked about the love part that is going to be shown by the father. There are so many things that a good father is made of. And our father in heaven is the example of it all. I love my father in heaven. I love my dad here on this earth. He's a great dad. And, and what I was so thankful for is my dad and I had a great relationship the last years of his life. It was, it was so awesome to have a Christian daddy. And uh, if you're not a Christian daddy, you're missing out on some of the most awesome relationships you can have then on this earth with your kids. And I thank God for my heavenly father. Folks, there have been times that I have had to go to my heavenly father to ask for things that I didn't even expect him to come through with and yet he did but there is something that happened in my life over and over again that I will come to my father and he will be listening to me and it will be God I need to be honest with you I'm not in fellowship with you I'm not where I need to be and by the way I've done that as a pastor Seriously, there's times I'm not right where I need to be in my mind and in my heart. And I'm like, Lord, I need to get right. I need to get my heart back in it and walk with you and talk with you the way I should. And our Father in Heaven is just waiting to hear those words. You need to have a proper fellowship with your Father. He is the father of mercies who was ready to listen. 
Father, what a privilege it is to be able to call you Father. You tell us, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We thank you for that privilege. Now, Lord, there may be some here in this room that never called on you to be their Father, never believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, draw them to yourself this day. And Lord, for the dads that are here, help us, Lord, to be the example, to love, to listen, to forgive all the things that we talked about today. Help us, Lord, to be what we need to be. I pray that you'll bless now this brief invitation. It is yours, and use it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.